Welcome to Words of Grace, radio ministry of Elder Ben Winslet, pastor of the Flint River Primitive Baptist Church near Huntsville, Alabama. We invite you to stay tuned to today's broadcast. broadcast today is entitled Yea and Amen. Today on Words of Grace, I want to share with you a portion of the message that I delivered last Sunday at Flint River Primitive Baptist Church, a message from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 15 through 22. On the surface, much of this language that you read in 2 Corinthians 1, verses 15 through 22, might sound like just random language or pleasantries 
But there's actually a significant point that Paul makes here regarding his hindered plans to come and visit them. The words of scorners reacting to his plans that had changed and at the same time promises that God has made that can never, ever be broken. I think we can all say that there are many times in our lives that we have set out to do something, or maybe even promised to do something with the best of intentions, but those promises, because of the circumstances of this life, failed to come to pass. That's exactly what has happened to the Apostle Paul. He intentioned to go back to this church at Corinth and visit them to give them a second blessing, to minister to them once again in person, but that simply wasn't what he was able to do. And because of that, scorners began to capitalize on this opportunity, pounce on that failed plan in order to accuse him of dishonesty. And I'm sure, again, that that's happened to each and every one of us. But praise the Lord, there are simply some plans that God has made for us, specifically in the covenant of grace before the foundation of the world, that can never fail. His promises will always come to pass, though our plans fail, and people even let us down, even as we let others down. God's purpose for us in saving us will never fail. Here is today's message entitled, Yea and Amen. In confidence I was minded. What does Paul say? In what? In confidence. I was completely confident when I said that I am coming to you that I was going to be there. I'm confident. It is my plan. Lord willing, I'm going to come to you. In this confidence I was minded to come unto you before that you might have a second benefit that is not teaching second benefit as some sort of second outpouring of the Holy Ghost upon them as if the initial salvation that they had experienced in Christ was not good enough and there's a second blessing that they need to receive. Preachers in church history have taken innocent little statements like this and made entire bizarre, I might add, theological implications. When Paul says, I came, or I trust that I was confident, that I was going to come to you and give a second benefit. What he meant is, I was going to come to you another time, and while I was there, you were going to get blessed. What might be the blessing of an apostle if an apostle were to come into our assembly today? Think about this. Another personal visit of the apostle Paul to instruct them, to teach them unto their own edification. Imagine the great blessing it would be to spend some time asking an actual apostle our questions. I've often had that desire. Now, I'll tell you the only way that can happen in today's time is by you picking up this book and you digging into this book with good dictionaries and good resources of history to tell you what these men said, when they said it, when they wrote it. But how awesome would it be if Paul were here today for us to ask that man to explain all of our theological questions, to take passages of Scripture that are difficult and better explain them for us, that we would understand them. Verse 16, And to pass by you into Macedonia, and to come again out of Macedonia unto you, 
and of you to be brought on my way toward Jerusalem. What is that sentence? His travel plans. He says, I wanted to pass by you into Macedonia and to come again out of Macedonia unto you and to be brought by you on my way to Jerusalem, to Judea. Those are simple travel plans. I want to travel to you and then I want to go to Judea. From you, Macedonia, back to you and then to Judea. Those are his travel plans. That's what he wanted to do. So beginning to confront the issue that Paul confronts about the promise he made to them to come to them and how it fell apart and their response to it, their carnal response to it. Look at verse 17. When I therefore was thus minded, that's what I wanted to do. When I was thus minded, did I use lightness? We're not talking about lightness in terms of lumens, nor are we talking lightness in terms of pigment. In other words, light color as opposed to dark color in the pigments of a garment. Lightness here has reference to weight. And so the opposite of lightness here would be heaviness. In this idiom, this is a figure of speech, lightness has reference to words that don't really mean anything as opposed to something that's heavy, that's true, that's weighted, that's grounded. And so Paul says, did I use lightness when I said I was going to come to you? A synonym for this word lightness is flippant. When Paul says, did I use lightness, he says, was I using flippant speech or did I really mean what I said? He says, did I use lightness or the things that I purpose? Do I purpose according to the flesh? Am I just saying this according to the flesh that with me there should be yea, yea, and nay, nay? Am I speaking according to the flesh that with me there should be yea, yea, and nay, nay? Why would that language be difficult? It's a figure of speech. It's an idiom. Twice in the New Testament we are told, once by the Lord and once by James, to let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. In the book of Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, Swear not at all. Neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by earth, for it is his footstool. Neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Neither shall thou swear by thy head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black. And your sisters say, oh, yes, I can. It's still white under the dye. Don't swear is the point. But let your communication be yea, yea, semicolon, nay, nay, for whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. In other words, I am not to say, I swear by heaven that this is true. I'm simply to say yes or no. And when I say yes, I need to mean yes. And when I say no, I need to mean no. To be a simply spoken man or woman of my word. Now, let me go a step further. We ought to be people of our word so much so that when you say yes, everyone around you knows it means yes. And when you say no, everyone around you knows it means no. My yes means yes. My no means no. But really the lesson here is to be brief to the point and not to embellish your yes or no with I swear by because anything greater than yes or no cometh of what? Evil. In James chapter 5, James, a witness of that sermon, 
says something very similar, and he adds things to it. But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath. But let your yea be yea, your yes be yes, and your nay be nay, lest ye fall into condemnation. Now, I would give you, if you're a parent, some of the greatest advice that the world could ever give you. With your children, they need to know that your yes means yes and your no means no. Yes is yes, no is no. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19, In the multitude of words there wanteth not sin. There's a danger in speaking too much. Did you notice that from James, lest you fall into what? Condemnation? The more I say, the more I'm inclined to say something dumb or sinful, and so it is better to say less so that I do not say something wrong. In the multitude of words there wanteth not sin. Back to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. When Paul says, when I was thus minded, when I desired to come to you, did I use lightness, flippant speech, or the things that I purpose, do I purpose according to the flesh, carnally, that with me there should be yea, yea, and nay, nay. What he is saying, I did not say yes when I really meant no. They had accused Paul of saying yes when he really meant no. What is that to accuse him of? Dishonesty. To accuse him of lying. Now let's take a little bit of a detour. Who determines where Paul goes to preach? The Lord sends him everywhere he goes. So if Paul is guided by the Lord, and everywhere he goes is at the Lord's command, his determination... And Paul doesn't go to Corinth the second time. Who stopped those plans? The Lord stopped those plans. Now, this is why it's so offensive to Paul. It's why he writes about it. You people accuse me of lying, but the Lord is who's sending me everywhere I need to go. Sometimes Paul gets put in jail. Sometimes he gets put in jail to convert people in jail. Sometimes Paul says, I want to go to Jerusalem. God said, go to Rome. Paul goes to Jerusalem. Paul gets arrested in Jerusalem, appeals to Caesar, and ends up in Rome. But everywhere Paul went, Paul went because God is guiding him and leading him, even when he had other wishes in his mind. Paul goes as God's vessel, as God's instrument. And so when Paul doesn't go to Corinth the second time, the one who hindered that ultimately was God because Paul was to go somewhere else. I'll give you a couple of examples of this. Acts chapter 16. When they had gone through Phrygia, the region of Galatia, they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach in Asia. Forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach in Asia. Now, later they would go into Asia Minor. At other times they would go into Asia Minor. But right now in Paul's ministry, there was somewhere else God would send him to go. When they had gone through Phrygia... In Galatia, they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach in Asia. After that, they were come to Mysia and essayed to go into Bithynia. Listen here. But the Spirit suffered them not. Then they have a vision. There stood a man of Macedonia praying and saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. Where does Paul need to go at this point in his ministry? Into Macedonia. That place that was mentioned in this chapter in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And so when Paul makes plans, sometimes he makes plans and they fall through because God has other intentions for him. 
Sometimes we make plans and those plans fall through because God has other intentions for us. And that's okay because what we say is thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. It doesn't make us liars. It doesn't even necessarily make us failures. It just makes us not in line with what God's will was for us to do. And whose will is ultimately the best? Well, it's God's will. Now, what if Paul had said, you know what? I know you've forbidden me, Holy Spirit, but I am determined to go into Asia. There was a man in the Old Testament, and God said to him, go into Assyria and to preach repentance to the Assyrians. And he says, I don't want to go to the Assyrians. I want to go to Tarshish, which was the furthest extent of the known world at the time. And that man's name was Jonah. What happened to Jonah? Well, he charts a vessel The sea begins to toss to and fro. He says, it's my fault. Throw me overboard. They're rowing. They're fighting. They're lightening the ship. He's like, it's my fault. They're like, which one of these people has offended God? He's like, it's me. They cast lots. The lot falls on Jonah. And so they throw him overboard. And he is what? Swallowed by a great fish or a well. And then he's vomited ashore. And then guess where he goes? He goes where God told him to go preach. Paul can't just say, hold on, Lord, let me go do this first. He's got to obey. He's got to do what God tells him to do. And so their accusation of dishonesty was so offensive, considering the nature of the Holy Spirit leading this man, and at the same time, this man's often sufferings. So let's look at verse 18. He lets no crisis go to waste, as they say. They criticize Paul. Paul takes this criticism and he uses it to give some of the most beautiful language in the Bible about the absolute certainty of God's promises. But as God is true, our word to you was not yea and nay or yes and no. And in saying this, he's hailing back to something before this latest promise to come to them. He's reaching back to when he was with them, and he preached the gospel of Christ to them. I might fail in my plans, but there's one thing that I have said to you that is built on such bedrock that it cannot be shaken, and that is the message of the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. But as God is true... Our word toward you was not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us. That's how we know he's hailing back to something other than his plans. He's talking about when he preached Christ unto them. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, even by me and Silvanus and Timotheus, was not yea and nay, but in him was yea. What does that mean? Remember, they accused Paul of saying yes when he really means no. He says, what we preached through Christ, when we preach Christ, the promises of God in Christ are not yes and no, but the promises of God in Christ are yes For the promises of God in him are yea, yes, and in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. 
Have you ever asked somebody a question and they say yes and no? Yes and no. And that's not a bad thing to say. What that meant was what you asked is partially yes and partially no. And so then you have the legalist who says, no, it needs to be yes and it needs to be no. Well, it's, it's both. Some of what you said was right. Some of what you said was wrong. No, it has to be all or the other, which is the error of the excluded middle. And when people debate, they often do that. It's a logical fallacy. It has to be this or that, these two extremes, and the middle is excluded. There are nuances, as it were, and we would be wise not to exclude the middle. But here, listen, there's something that's not yes and no. God's promises for you in Christ Jesus are yes and what? Amen. That's even greater than yes and yes. What's the one word that's stronger than yes in the affirmative? Amen. That's why we end our prayers in it. Amen. To us, it means let it be so. And that's why we end our prayers in it. But it comes from a Semitic root meaning fixed. Fixed as in settled, grounded, trusted. God's promises in Christ to us are not yes and no, and they are not no. They are yes and beyond yes. They are yes and, say it together, amen. Think about that for a minute. God's promises to you are yes and amen. If this scripture does not strengthen your assurance, would God really have me? The heart is desperately wicked. The mind creates imaginations. The flesh lusts to do that which is evil. Sometimes we think, Lord, surely somebody as bad as me. Because I know everything that goes through this mind. Surely someone as bad as me doesn't have a hope. But God's promises to you are not if. They are not no. They are not maybe. They are not yes, but you have to blank. They are yea and they are amen. God's promises to you are yea. God's promises to you are amen. Just juxtapose Paul's promises and God's promises for a minute. Paul says, I'm going to do my best to come to you. I want to give you another blessing. I want to preach to you. I want to bless you. I want to exhort you. I want to edify you. His plans fall through. God, before the foundation of the world, he foreknew you. He predestinated you. He has promised to call you. He justified you. And he has promised to glorify you. Now, he has called you if you are born again, but there's children of God that aren't even born yet. That's the covenant of grace. God's promises to you are not maybe or if they are yea and amen. Paul's plans fell through. God's promises will not. Look at John 6. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me, and this is the Father's will which he has sent me. What is God's will? That of all which he hath given me, I should lose what? Nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. 
And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. You might wonder, how do I know if I am one of these people that were given to the Son by the Father? If you are a person that believes on Jesus, you believe because you are born of God and nothing can take you from him. Yea and amen. You are secure in Christ. Our plans fail. God's promises do not fail. You say, well, what if they fall into sin? Yea and amen. What if they are like the prodigal son that takes his inheritance, goes away, squanders it with riotous living, and ends up feeding the hogs and starving to death? Surely somebody that far away from God, yea and amen. What about the preacher in the well in the bottom of the sea because he did the exact opposite of what God had told him to do? Listen to me. Say it aloud. Yea and amen. Our plans fail. Our promises fail. The things we set out to do in this world don't often pan out, don't always pan out. But what God has promised to you a billion years from now will be yea and they will be amen. This is the Father's will. Now let's look at, in closing, the last little statements in this passage. For all the promises of God in Him, in Christ, are yea, yes, and in Him, amen, When your heart calls out to God, Lord, I'm so wretched. The only hope I have is in the death of your son. His answer to you is yes. His answer to you is amen. Now he which establisheth us, strengthens us, with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God who hath also sealed us and given the earnest of the spirit in our hearts. First of all, verse 19 This yea and amen, the promise of God that cannot be taken away, is fixed based upon the reality of the Son of God. That's why I fight people over the eternal sonship of Jesus Christ. Everything we have is built upon the identity of the incarnate Son of God, God's eternal Son, who became man, who died upon a cross for us. This is based upon the reality of the Son. And then we are established in Christ We are anointed, verse 21, by God. We are sealed, and we've been given the earnest of the Spirit in verse 22. Our plans fail. People let us down. We let other people down. But God's plans for us will never fail. I'll close today with Titus chapter 1 and verse 2 in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. God cannot lie. Did you notice when Paul started that in 2 Corinthians 1, he said, God is true. God who cannot lie promised you life before the world began. And this promise is not no, it's not yes or no, It's not yes and no, it's yes, and beyond yes, it's yes and it is amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the yea and amen of your word. Thank you that no matter how we make plans and we don't keep them, how we promise ourselves to follow you faithfully, and many times we fail, we covenant with one another and sometimes those plans fall through. We covenant with you and sometimes we're not faithful to those covenant promises 
Your promises to us are yea and amen because thou art faithful. You've promised us eternal life before the world began, and you cannot lie. The God who is omnipotent, who can do all, because of your fundamental, immutable character of goodness, holiness, truthfulness, the way the truth and the life, you cannot lie. And so we know, Lord, that these promises that you've made for us before time began, before the creation of this universe and carried out through your Son and the Holy Spirit on our behalf and in our lives, these promises are yea and these promises are amen. Let it be so, Lord, we pray. Forgive us of our many sins. Help us, establish us, strengthen us, assure us. We pray all this in Jesus' name and we say together, yea and amen. If you enjoy the messages you hear on Words of Grace, consider this your invitation to visit a Primitive Baptist Church in your community. An online directory is available at marchtozion.com. Copies of this and other broadcasts are available for download on iTunes and on our website. And finally, Words of Grace is a listener-supported program. To contact us, address your correspondence to Words of Grace Radio, 641 Moontown Road, Brownsboro, Alabama, 35741. Or visit us online at flintriverpbc.org.